This story is called On the Banks of Plum Creek by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Chapter 1 The Door in the Ground. The dim wagon track went no farther on the prairie, and Pa stopped the horses. Careful. When the wagon wheels stopped turning, Jack dropped down in the shade between them. His belly sank on the grass and his front legs stretched out. His nose fitted in the furry hollow. All of him rested except his ears. All day long, for many, many days, Jack had been trotting under the wagon. He had trotted all the way from the little log house in Indian Territory, across Kansas, across Missouri, across Iowa, and a long way into Minnesota. He had learned to take his rest whenever the wagon stopped. In the wagon, Laura jumped up and so did Mary. Their legs were tired of not moving. This must be the place, Pa said. It's half a mile up the creek from Nelson's. We've come a good half mile, and there's the creek. Laura could not see the creek. She saw a grassy bank, and beyond it, a line of willow treetops waving in the gentle wind. Everywhere else, the prairie grasses were rippling far away to the, to the sky's straight edge. Seems to be some kind of stable over there, said Pa, looking around the edge of the canvas wagon car. But where's the house? Laura jumped inside her skin. A man was standing beside the horses. No one had been in sight anywhere, but suddenly that man was there. His hair was pale yellow. His round face was as red as an Indian's, and his eyes were so pale that they looked like a mistake. Jack growled. Be still, Jack, said Jack, said Pa. He asked the man, Are you Mr. Hansen? Yeah, the man said. Pa spoke slowly and loudly. I heard you want to go west. You trade your place? The man looked slowly at the wagon. He looked at the Mustangs, Pet and Patty. After a while, he said, Yeah. Pa got out of the wagon, and Ma said, You can climb out and run around, girls. I know you are tired sitting still. Jack got up when Laura climbed down the wagon wheel, but he had to stay under the wagon until Pa said he might go. He looked out at Laura while she ran along a little path that was there. The path went across short, sunny grass to the edge of the bank. Down below it was the creek, rippling and glistening in the sunshine. The willow trees grew up beyond the creek. Over the edge of the bank, a path turned and went slanting down, close against the grassy bank that rose up like a wall. Laura went down it cautiously. The bank rose up beside her till she could not see the wagon. There was only the high sky above her. And down below her, the water was talking to itself. Laura went a step further, and then one more step. The path stopped at a wider, flat place where it turned and dropped down to the creek in stair steps. Then Laura saw the door. The door 
stood straight up in the grassy bank where the path turned. It was like a house door, but whatever was behind it was underground. The door was shut. In front of it lay two big dogs with ugly faces. They saw Lara and slowly rose up. Lara ran very fast up the path to the safe wagon. Mary was standing there and Lara whispered to her, there's a door in the ground and two big dogs. She looked behind her. The two dogs were coming. Jack's deep growl rolled from under the wagon. He showed those dogs his fierce teeth. Those your dogs? Pa said to Mr. Hanson. Mr. Hanson turned and spoke words that Laura could not understand. But the dogs understood. One behind the other, they slunk over the edge of that bank, down out of sight. Pa and Mr. Hanson walked slowly away toward the stable. The stable was small, and it was not made of logs. Grass grew on its walls, and its roof was covered with growing grasses, blowing in the wind. Let's leave this alone, Dad. Laura and Mary stayed near the wagon where Jack was. They looked at the prairie grasses swaying and bending and yellow flowers nodding. Birds rose and flew and sank into the grasses. The sky curved very high and its rim came neatly down to the faraway edge of the round earth. When Pa and Mr. Hanson came back, they heard Pa say, All right, Hanson, we'll go to town tomorrow and fix up the papers. Tonight, we'll camp here. Yeah, yeah, Mr. Hanson agreed. Pa boosted Laura and Mary into the wagon and drove out on the prairie. He told Ma that he had traded Pet and Patty for Mr. Hanson's land. He had traded Bunny, the, the mule colt, and the wagon cover for Mr. Hanson's crops and his oxen. He unhitched Pet and Patty and led them to the, the creek to drink. He put them on their picket lines and helped Ma make camp for the night. Laura was quiet. She did not want to play, and she was not hungry when they all sat eating supper by the campfire. The last night out, said Pa. Tomorrow we'll be settled again. The house is in the creek bank, Caroline. Oh, Char, said Ma. A dugout? We've never had to live in a dugout yet. I think you'll find it very clean, Pa told her. Norwegians are clean people. It will be snug for winter, and that's not far away. Yes, it will be nice to be settled before snow flies, Ma agreed. It's only till I harvest the first wheat crop, said Pa. Then you'll have a fine house, and I'll have horses and maybe even a buggy. This is great wheat country, Caroline. Rich, level land, with not a tree or a rock to contend with. I can't make out why Hanson sowed such a small field. It must have been a dry season, or Hanson's no farmer. His weed is so thin and light. Beyond the firelight, Pet and Patty and Bunny were eating grass. They bit it off with sharp, pulling crunches, and then stood chewing it and looking through the dark at the low stars shining. They switched their tails peacefully. They did not know they had been traded. Lara was a big girl, seven years old, she was too big to cry, but she could not help asking, Pa, did you have to give him Pet and Patty? Did you, Pa? Pa's arm drew her close to him 
in a cuddly hug. Why, little half-pint, Pa said. Pet and Patty like to travel. They are little Indian ponies, Laura, and plowing is too hard work for them. They will be much happier traveling out west. You wouldn't want to keep them here, breaking their hearts on a plow. Pet and Patty will go on traveling. And with those big oxen, I can break up a great big field and have it ready for wheat next spring. A good crop of wheat will bring us more money than we've ever had, Laura. Then we'll have horses and new dresses and everything you can want. Laura did not say anything. She felt better with Pa's arm around her, but she did not want anything except to keep Pet and Patty and Bunny, the long-eared colt. Chapter 2. The House in the Ground Early in the morning, Pa helped Mr. Hansen move the wagon boughs and cover onto Mr. Hansen's wagon. Then they brought everything out of the dugout house, up the bank, and they packed it into the covered wagon. Mr. Hansen offered to help move the things from Pa's wagon into the dugout. But Ma said, no, Charles, we will move in when you come back. So Pa hitched Pet and Patty to Mr. Hansen's wagon, tied Bunny behind it, and he rode away to town with Mr. Hansen. Laura watched Pet and Patty and Bunny going away. Her eyes smarted, and her throat ached. Pet and Patty arched their necks, and their manes and tails rippled in the wind. They went away gaily, not knowing that they were never coming back. The creek was singing to itself down among the willows, and the soft wind bent the grasses over the top of the bank. The sun was shining, and all around the wagon was clean, wide space to be explored. The first thing was to untie Jack from the wagon from the wagon wheel. Mr. Hansen's two dogs had gone away, and Jack could run about as he pleased. He was so glad that he jumped up against Laura to lick her face and made her sit down hard. Then he ran down the path, and Laura ran after him. Ma picked up Carrie and said, Come, Mary, let's go look at the dugout. Jack got to the door first. It was open. He looked in and then waited for Laura. All around that door, green vines were growing out of the grassy bank, and they were full of flowers, red and blue and purple and rosy pink and white and striped flowers. All had their throats wide open, as if they were singing glory to the morning. They were morning glory flowers. Laura went under those singing flowers into the dugout. There was one room, all white, the earth walls had been smoothed and whitewashed. The earth floor was smooth and hard. When Ma and Mary stood in the doorway, the light went dim. There was a small greased paper window beside the door, but the wall was so thick that the light from the window stayed near the window. That front wall was built of sod. Mr. Hansen had dug out his house and then he had cut long strips of prairie sod and laid them one on top of another to make the front wall. It was a good thick wall with not a crack in it. No cold could get through the wall. Ma was pleased. She said, It's small, but it's clean and pleasant. Then she looked up at the ceiling and said, Look, girls, the ceiling was made of hay. Willow boughs had been laid across and their branches woven together. But here and there, the hay 
that had been spread on them showed through. Well, said Ma. They went up the path and stood on the roof of that house. No one could have guessed it was just a roof. Grass grew on it and waved in the wind like all the, like all the grasses along the creek bank. Goodness, said Ma, anybody could walk over this house and never know it's here. But Laura spied something. She bent over and parted the grasses with her hands. And then she cried, I found the stovepipe hole. Look, Mary, look. Ma and Mary stopped to look, and Carrie leaned out from Ma's arm and looked. And Jack came pushing to look. They could look right down into the whitewashed room under the grass. They looked at it till Ma said, We'll brush out the place and move in what we can before Pa comes back. Mary and Laura, you bring the water pails. Mary carried the large pail, and Laura carried the small one, and they went down the path again. <sighs> Jack ran ahead and took his place by the door. Ma found a willow twig broom in one corner, and she brushed the walls carefully. Mary watched, Car watched Carrie to keep her from falling down into the creek, and Laura took the little pail and went for water. She hoppity-skipped down the stair steps to the end of a little bridge across the creek. The bridge was one wide plank. Its other end was under a willow tree. The tall willows fluttered slender leaves up against the sky, and little willows grew around them in clumps. They shaded all the ground, and it was cool and bare. The path went across it to a little spring, where cold, clear water fell into a tiny pool, and then ran trickling to the creek. Laura filled the little pail and went back across the sunny footbridge and up the steps. She went back and forth, fetching water in the little pail and pouring it into the big pail set on a bench inside the doorway. Then she helped Ma bring down from the wagon everything they could carry. They had moved nearly everything into the dugout when Pa came rattling down the path. He was carrying a little tin stove and two pieces of stovepipe. Woo, he said, setting them down. I'm glad I had to carry them only three miles. Think of it, Caroline. Town's only three miles away. Just a nice walk. Well, Hanson's on his way west, and the place is ours. How do you like it, Caroline? I like it, said Ma. But I don't know what to do about the beds. I don't want to put them on the floor. What's the matter with that? Pa asked her. We've been sleeping on the ground. <laughs> That's different, Ma said. I don't like to sleep on the floor in a house. Well... That's soon fixed, said Pa. I'll cut some willow boughs and spread the beds on to spread the beds on for tonight. Tomorrow I'll find some straight willow poles and make a couple of bedsteads. He took his axe and went whistling up the path, over the top of the house, and down the slope beyond it to the creek. There lay a tiny valley where willows grew thick all along beside the water. Laura ran at his heels. Let me help, Pa. She panted. I can carry some. Why, so you can, said Pa, looking down at her with his eyes twinkling. There's nothing like help when a man has a big job to do. Pa often said he did not know how he could manage without Laura. She had helped him make the door for the log house in Indian Territory. Now she helped him carry the leafy willow boughs and spread them in the dugout. Then she went with him to the stable. All four walls of the stable were built of sods, and the roof was willow, bay, willow boughs and hay, with sods laid over it. 
The roof was so low that Pa's head touched it when he stood up straight. There was a manger of willow poles, and two oxen were tied there. One was a huge gray ox with short horns and gentle eyes. The other was smaller and with fierce long horns and wild eyes. He was bright red-brown all over. Hello, Bright, Pa said to him. And how are you, Pete, old fellow, he said, he asked, the big ox, slapping him gently. Stand back out of the way, Laura, he said, until we see how these cattle act. We've got to take them to water. He put ropes on their horns and led them out of the stable. They followed him slowly down the slope to a level path that went through green rushes to the flat edge of the creek. Laura slowly tagged after them. Their legs were clumsy and their big feet split in the middle. Their noses were broad and slimy. Laura stayed outside the stable while Pa tied them to the manger. She walked with him toward the dugout. Pa, she asked in a little voice, did Pa, did Pet and Patty truly want to go out west? Yes, Laura, Pa told her. Oh, Pa, she said, and there was a tremble in her voice. I don't think I like cattle much. Pa took her hand and comforted it in his big one. He said, we must do the best we can, Laura, and not grumble. What must be done is best done cheerfully, and some day we will have horses again. When, Pa, she asked him, and he said, when we raise our first crop of wheat. Then they went into the dugout. Ma was cheerful. Mary and Carrie were already washed and combed and everything was neat. The beds were made on the willow boughs and supper was ready. After supper, they all sat on the path before the door. Ma and Pa had boxes to sit on. Carrie cuddled sleepily in Ma's lap and Mary and Laura sat on the hard path, their legs hanging over its sharp edge. Jack turned around three times and lay down with his head against Laura's knee. They all sat quiet looking across Plum Creek and the willows, watching the sun sink far away in the west, far away over the prairie lands. At last, Ma drew a long breath. It's all so tame and peaceful, she said. There'll be no wolves or Indians howling tonight. I haven't felt so safe and at rest since I don't know when. Pa's slow voice answered. We're safe enough, all right. Nothing can happen here. The peaceful colors went all around the rim of the sky. The willows breathed, and the water talked to itself in the dusk. The land was dark gray. The sky was light gray, and stars prickled through it. It's bedtime, Ma said, and there is something new anyway. We've never slept in a dugout before. She was laughing, and Pa laughed softly with her. Laura lay in bed and listened to the water talking and the willows whispering. She would rather sleep outdoors, even if she heard wolves, than be so safe in this house dug under the ground. The next chapter, read the next chapter. Chapter three, rushes and flags. Every morning after Mary and Laura had done the dishes, 
made their bed and swept the floor. They could go out to play. All around the door, the morning glory flowers were fresh and new, springing with all their might out of the green leaves. All along Plum Creek, the birds were talking. Sometimes the birds sang, but mostly they talked. Tweet, tweet. Oh, twitter, twee, twit, one said. Then another said, chee, chee, chee. And another laughed. Ha, 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 tiradoo. Laura and Mary went over the top of their house and down along the path where Pa led the oxen to water. There along the creek rushes, there along the creek rushes were growing and blue flags. Every morning the blue flags were new. They stood up dark blue and proud among the green rushes. Each blue flag had three velvet petals that curved down like a lady's dress over hoops. From its waist, three ruffled silky petals stood up and curved together. When Laura looked down inside them, she saw three narrow pale tongues, and each tongue had a strip of golden fur on it. Sometimes a fat bumblebee, all black velvet and gold, was bumbling and budding there. The flat creek bank was soft, warm mud. Little pale yellow and pale blue butterflies hovered there and lighted and sipped. Bright dragonflies flew on blurry wings. The mud squeezed up between Laura's toes, where she stepped and where Mary stepped and where the oxen had walked. There were tiny pools of water in their footprints. Where they waded in the shallow water, a footprint would not stay. First, a swirl like smoke came up from it and wavered away in the clear water. Then the footprints slowly melted. The toes smoothed out and the heel was only a small hollow. There were tiny fishes in the water. They were so small that you could hardly see them. Only when they went swiftly sometimes, a silvery belly flashed. When Laura and Mary stood still, these little fishes swarmed around their feet and nibbled. It was a tickly feeling. On top of the water, the water bugs skated. They had tall legs, and each of their feet made a wee dent in the water. It was hard to see a water bug. He skated so fast that before you saw him, he was somewhere else. The rushes in the wind made a wild, lonely sound. They were not soft and flat like grass. They were hard and round and sleek and jointed. One day when Laura was waiting in a deep place by the rushes, she took hold of a big one to pull herself up from the bank. It squeaked. For a moment, Laura could hardly breathe. Then she pulled another. It squeaked and came in too. The rushes were little hollow tubes fitted together at the joints. The tubes squeaked when you pulled them apart. They squeaked when you pushed them together again. Laura and Mary pulled them apart to hear the squeak. Then they put little ones together to make necklaces. They put big ones together to make long tubes. They blew through the tubes into the creek and made a bubble. They blew at the little fishes and scared them. Whenever they were thirsty, they could draw up long drinks of water through those tubes. Ma laughed when Laura and Mary came to dinner and supper all splashed and muddy with green necklaces around their necks and long green tubes in their hands. They brought her bouquets of the blue flags and she put them on the table to make it pretty. I declare, she said, you two play in the creek so much you'll be turned to water bugs. 
Ma and Pa did not care how much they played in the creek, only they must never go upstream beyond the little willow valley. The creek came around a curve there. It came out of a hole full of deep, dark water. They must never go near enough to that hole even to see it. Someday, I'll take you there, Pa promised them. And one Sunday afternoon, he told them that this was the day. Chapter 4 Deep Water In the dugout, Mary and Laura took off all their clothes, and over their bare skins they put on old patch dresses. Ma tied her sunbonnet, tied on her sunbonnet. Pa took Carrie on his arm, and they all set out. They went past the paddle calf and the rushes, past the willow valley and the plum thickets. They went down a steep grassy bank and then across a level place where the grass was tall and coarse. They passed a high, almost straight up wall of earth where no grass grew. What is that, Pa? Laura asked. And Pa said, that is a tableland, Laura. He pushed on through the thick, tall grass making a path for Laura and Mary and Ma. Suddenly they came out of the high grass and the creek was there. It ran twinkling over the white gravel into a wide pool curved against a low bank where the grass was short. Tall willows stood up on the other side of the pool. Flat on the water lay a shimmery picture of those willows with every green leaf fluttering Ma sat on the grassy bank and kept Carrie with her while Laura and Mary waded into the pool. Stay near the edge, girls, Ma told them. Don't go in where it's deep. The water came up under their skirts and made them float. Then the calico got wet and stuck to their legs. Laura went in, deeper and deeper. The water came up and up, almost to her waist. She squatted down, and it, and it came to her chin. Everything was watery, cool, and unsteady. Laura felt very light. Her feet were so light that they almost lifted off the creek bottom. She hopped and splashed with her arms. Oh, Laura, don't, Mary cried. Don't go any farther, Laura, said Ma. Laura kept splashing. One big splash lifted both feet. Her feet came up and her arms did as they pleased, and her head went under the water. She was scared. There was nothing to hold on to, nothing solid anywhere. Then she was standing up, uh, streaming water all over, but her feet were solid. Nobody had seen that. Ma was tucking up her skirts. Mary was tucking up her skirts. Ma was playing with Carrie. Pa was out of sight among the willows. Laura walked as fast as she could in the water. She stepped down deeper and deeper. Water came up past her middle, up to her arms. Suddenly, deep down in the water, something grabbed her foot. The thing jerked, and down she went into the deep water. She couldn't breathe. She couldn't see. She grabbed and could not get a hold of anything. Water filled her ears and her eyes and her mouth. Then her head came out of the water close to Pa's head. Pa was holding her. Well, young lady, Pa said, you went out too far. 
And how did you like it? Clara could not speak. She had to breathe. You heard Ma tell you to stay close to the bank, said Pa. Why didn't you obey her? You deserved a ducking, and I ducked you. Next time, you'll do as you're told. Yes, Pa, Lara spluttered. Oh, Pa, please do it again. <laughs> pa said, well, I'll... And then his great laughter rang among the willows. Why didn't you holler when I ducked you, he asked Lara. Weren't you scared? I was awful scared, Lara gasped. But please, do it again. <laughs> then she asked him, how did you get down there, Pa? Pa told her that he had swum under the water from the willows, but they could not stay in the deep water. They must go near the bank and play with Mary. All that afternoon, Pa and Lara and Mary played in the water. They waded and they fought water fights, and whenever Lara or Mary went near the deep water, Pa ducked them. Mary was a good girl after one ducking, but Lara was ducked many times. Then it was almost chore time, and they had to go home. They went dripping along the path through the tall grass. And when they came to the tableland, Laura wanted to climb it. Pa climbed partway up, and Laura and Mary climbed, holding to his hands. Dry dirt slipped and slid. Tangled grass roots hung down from the bulging edge overhead. Then Pa lifted Laura up and set her on the tableland. It really was like a table. The ground rose up high above the tall grasses, and it was round and flat on top. The grass there was short and soft. Pa and Laura and Mary stood up on the top of that tableland and looked over the grass tops and the pool to the prairie beyond. They looked all around at prairies, stretching to the rim of the sky. Then they had to slide down again to the lowland and go on home. That had been a wonderful afternoon. It's been lots of fun, Pa said, but you girls remember what I told you. Don't you ever go near that swimming hole unless I am with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.